Thank you, Rachel. It's a joy to be here and to be sharing with you today. And uh, if you're here for the first time, a special welcome or visiting. And uh, it's not just another Sunday sermon today. So I particularly want to be sharing with you what I sense is a kind of prophetic word that God is speaking into our lives for this year of 2023. That's into our personal lives, into our family life, into our church life. Our life as a church in the city and the nation and in our world. I feel God is speaking in a very significant way at this time. And uh, we just want to catch something of the weight and significance of that. So it's just three simple words that make up that prophetic word. And these are those words I feel for this year. It is to pursuing his presence, pursuing his presence. It is the presence of God that makes the huge difference in our lives as Christians. It's what makes it all possible. Even here today, we could have come to a service, we could have great worship leaders, great singers, great songs. But without the presence of God, it's the presence of God that brings worship alive. Tomorrow morning as you go to work or with a family or just talking to your neighbors, it's the presence of God that makes a difference in our witness. What does it mean not just to experience the presence of God, but to carry the presence of God? Whatever circumstances we may be facing, it may be challenging circumstances. Some of us here may be struggling with mental health, with panic attacks and anxiety, or with just financial issues that we're facing, or broken heart with broken relationships, or even physically. It is the presence of God that brings healing and wholeness. It's the presence of God that makes the difference to our lives. What we want to do for a few minutes is just to unfold from Scripture how can we experience that presence? Is the presence of God just something that happens to us? We come today struggling maybe. We feel miles away from God. Not even want to be at church, but we're here. And as we come in, is it then we come in and we hope we might feel the presence of God in a place of worship? Or can we actually pursue the presence of God? Can we actually in some way draw that presence of God? Listen to these words of scripture. In James it says this, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. You mean I can actually actively, proactively, as it were, draw near to God into his presence, and he draws near to me, yes. And that's by the end of this service, by the end of this brief session now, I want to sense for many of us here a fresh awareness of the presence of God beyond what we've ever known before. We just take a, a verse of scripture or a few verses of scripture from Exodus chapter 33. And uh, Rachel Lynch has already mentioned this scripture this morning. And it's where Moses had to lead the people of God, the people of Israel, through a desert, dry and difficult circumstances. And he's overwhelmed by the task. And so this is his prayer to God. He could have been praying to God for a good map or a good guide. But this is his prayer. And this is Ezekiel, uh, Exodus rather, chapter 33, verse 12. Moses said to the Lord, you've been telling me, lead these people but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways, so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. Father, we pray now, here today, by your Holy Spirit, for a fresh sense of your presence. For some of us, Lord, even as a stranger coming in, just like in those early days of the church where they fell down and just said, God is among you. Come now, Lord. For all of us, may we sense your presence with us, Lord. 
Come, Holy Spirit. Make Jesus real to us. In Jesus' name, amen. In a few minutes, we're going to unfold three key areas of Scripture that are key ways of experiencing God's presence. There are many other ways we can experience God's presence, but these are three key ways. The first is that pursuing his presence means pursuing the fullness of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The second is to pursue his presence is to pursue fullness of joy. In his presence is fullness of joy. The third is the fullness of his purposes. Just like here in Exodus with Moses, God's guidance, direction for our life. It's his presence that goes with us and makes the difference. So firstly, to pursue his presence is to pursue the fullness of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Why? Because it is the Holy Spirit who makes real the presence of God to us. Jesus says these amazing words in John 16 and verse 15. He says, the Spirit will take what is mine and make it known to you. He will make me real to you. So the work of the Holy Spirit is to make God's presence real to us. Whatever we are, whatever we're doing, not just here in church, but tomorrow morning at work or college or our neighbors, our friends, how do we sense the Holy Spirit making God's presence real to us? Whatever we're doing, you know, just, um, I'm here today speaking in church, but sometimes I, I'm in a situation on, on Christmas Day, which was a, a Sunday, I was visiting our family in Birmingham. Our son lives there with his with their children. And uh, um, so I was off duty, if you like. I wasn't even on door welcoming. I was just, in fact, when we got there, um, the family sat down. We were more than one row. So most of the family, and I sat a little bit behind them and uh, towards the back of the church. And uh, this service is happening. But as the service is going on, so uh, as, as well as my son and his wife, uh, they're, they're three children. And um, the oldest grandchild, it, our daughter, granddaughter, has just started a PhD. And she, at college, met a, a lovely young man, Scandinavian, um, from Denmark. And, uh, uh, and he was here for Christmas because he hadn't been able to go back home for Christmas. So he was there as well. Um, and he's a really thoughtful, lovely fellow. But, but he's not a Christian. In fact, he knows nothing at all about Christianity, really. And I, I'm sat behind him. And the service is going on. And as I'm sat behind him, the Holy Spirit. And it happens to me, it's just those kind of wow moments where I just feel, and I just felt the Holy Spirit putting on me a real stirring to pray for him. And as I'm there, this is Christmas morning, literally, and I'm praying for him. And I really felt that witness of God's Spirit. And anyway, we're only there for Christmas Day and going back Boxing Day morning. So afterwards, um, we go back for Christmas lunch. And, you know, it's all happening. All the family are there. It's a big do. The Christmas lunch is happening. And so we're just sat having a few drinks before the lunch. And I have a, I'm sat with him. I'm in a conversation. I say, Martin, it's great you were at church this morning. I said, are you doing? Oh, he said, uh, I, I, I hardly ever go to church. He said, it's just that uh, since I met Hannah, I've been going to church. He said, in fact, the, the, the family here where I've been with them, they even, they even pray sometimes before a meal even. He said, I said, how do you manage? with all that do you, do, you, do you cope with it or just tolerate he said no he says I, I quite enjoy it. sort of feel part of a community he says and feeling like that so I said well as well as as well as sort of objectively experiencing it because it's happening have you ever prayed yourself or have you ever read the bible no he said I've never prayed and never read the bible he said I said is that something you'd be interested in knowing more about he said I would actually he said but I wouldn't know where to begin oh I said well you know w would you be happy to to help you in that he said I would if you would Anyway, we'd been called for lunch. It's Christmas lunch. So I said, we'll chat afterwards a bit more. And so anyway, we had Christmas lunch. Then we started on games and charades. It was late at night by the time we'd finished. So we didn't have a chance to talk a little about it. In the morning, we had breakfast together on Boxing Day. And I'm, we're about to go. I'm going out the door and I see Martin coming down. I say, Martin, I said, 
I've not forgotten that promise. We'd have a little chat together. Would, would you like to do that? She said, oh, he said, I'd love to do that. So I said, give me your mobile number. So he gave me his mobile number. And next I, I, I mobiled, I, I, I WhatsApped him and um, we had an amazing conversation together just about the existence of God, all completely new. Just that first time understand there's a God-shaped vacuum in all men. God's made us for himself and you know, we don't realize what it is. And, and what it is to have faith and to experience the reality of God lives. And he really had lots of questions. And, and even when I quoted sometimes in the Bible, he said, well, where do you find that in the Bible? I said, so he said, oh, I, 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 I've never read the Bible. I said, so I said, would you be interested in exploring a bit about the Bible? He said, I would. Okay, I said, well, what about if you, I, I, I'll, what if we take one of the biographies of Jesus? There are four biographies in the Bible of Jesus, four of them, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and um, each of them will really tell the life story and teach you Jesus. What if we take one of them and just look at it a little bit? He said, I'd be interested in doing that. How are we going to do that? I said, what I'll do is I'll WhatsApp video call you. I said, but you just read the first three chapters of John's Gospel. It's just happened now, just after. Just read the first three chapters of John's Gospel, but write down any questions you've got, and uh, we'll look at them together. Yeah, he said, I'll do that. Anyway, he started on it. Uh, next day, Hannah gave me a call, because they're, they're back up north of England now, and uh, I said, oh, Pa, she said, that's what she calls me as granddad. Pa, she said, um, uh, could I do it as well with him? I said, yeah, you do it together. When, we, when, I, when I WhatsApp, uh, you know, WhatsApp, yeah, so, so when, when would be good? I said, you, e you text me when you've done the first few chapters, he said. So they did at the end of the week, and on the Saturday morning, 11 o'clock, um, we, 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 we had our first call. And sure enough, here they were, sat on the sofa. They'd already emailed me their questions. They had lots of questions. There's something, you know, very special about someone who's never, ever reread the Bible before, for the first time, asking questions. So even John Scott, just the very first verse. You know, what does it mean by the word? You know, uh, I said, well, you know, we use words to communicate to one another. God longs to communicate to us, but it's not a kind of loud hailer from heaven saying, I love you. In fact, God so loved us that he sent his only son, Jesus. And that word... That community became flesh, lived among us. And, and I can see Martin nodding and saying, oh, yeah. And then, then the next week, we've got a few verses, and um, uh, I won't go through all his questions. It took us an hour and a half to get through them. But, you know, he said, you know, lamb, why, why the lamb? Is that because he was an innocent sort of person? No, no, no. It says the lamb of God takes away the sin of the world. Yeah, but what, what, how do you do that? I said, well, in the Old Testament, he never read the Old Testament, so you know, starting from scratch with it all, but it was just unfolding together. At the end of it, you could see they really, really were interested. I said, you know, do you, would you like to do some more? Yeah. We, we did. He said, we did a little bit each day. When we, I said, what about, I'll give you seven chapters this time. That's going to be John chapter 4 through to chapter 11. And so off they went with that, John chapter 4, and, and, and wrote down. And, and what they said to me, this time, Pa, what we'll do is, because when you explain some of those answers where some of the scriptures we'd read gave an answer to the question, what we'll do is also put what we think might be the answer to our question. So I said, you do that as well. Anyway, end of the week, I had a page and a half, A4, you know, with, with all their questions that were for it, ready for the next, and we were going to do it again next Saturday at 11 o'clock, and so he went through. Lots of questions. Why didn't Jesus get to Lazarus quicker? All those days wasted when, you know, he's his friend, and he was sick, and he healed people. Why didn't he? And just explain, well, actually, he could have healed him then and then, but there was something that Jesus says, you know, for the glory of God, this has happened, because even more wonderful than doing a healing was if after he died, he then raised him from the dead. You see, he was great. And so we, we went through together. Anyway, I then said to him, Would you, are you ready for more? Yes. Okay, next seven chapters. So we're coming up almost to just a week before that. You know, and, I said, uh, and, and so they did it through chapter 18. And um, by now they really are, you can tell they're grasping it. And for Martin in particular, I was keen to make sure for him the first time. Because for Hannah, she's had a Christian background. For her it was more when she said to me, can I do it with Martin? Because I'd love just to recommit my life to God. I said, you do it together. We came towards the end of it, and I'm coming to the end of now, this is chapter 18, and I said, you know, just next week, give you a little foretaste, in this final chapters, the writer, John, 
gives an insight to why he wrote his book. In fact, it's like you read a novel and sometimes the author gives you a little bit on the back cover, you know, a few sentences. This is why I wrote it. I went to Antarctica and saw penguins or something. But, but this, this, is, this is John saying there are many more amazing things, miraculous things that Jesus did that are not recorded in this book. It's not everything. There's so much more. But I have recorded sufficient. He said, but these things I have written that you may believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that by believing we have life in his name. So here I'm getting towards the end of this third section. I said, well, let me just quote you these verses you're going to come to next week, I said. Because this is where John gives... Now, Martin, has this helped you to understand? from what? Because this is what John claimed when he wrote it. Who G he says, it certainly... He said, I, I never had any idea who Jesus was, he said. But it's really helped me to understand I, well, that, that Jesus is somebody special, not just... Son of God. And I said, do you know what it goes on to say? That by believing, you could have life in his name. I said, Martin, is, is that something you would really be open to know? He said, I... I would be open, he said, but I wouldn't know where to begin. I said, well, for many folk, it's often just a step of faith in which understanding who Jesus is, I then realize the wonder of what he's done to that sacrifice on the cross for me. And I, I'm willing to, I, I did it like a little ABC. I, I said, it's like an ABC. You, you admit your need. You turn more, you know, wrong, you're wrong. You, you believe that Jesus died for you and you commit yourself. He said, but how do you do that? I said, well, often it's just simply in a prayer, I said. And he said, but I've never prayed. I said, would you like me to pray with you and to help you? Yes, if you would. And it was an amazing moment, him and Hannah, to hear them pray for Martin the first time in his life, just to be receiving Jesus into his life by the Holy Spirit. And I could tell, you know, sometimes you say, even though I'm doing a WhatsApp, they sat on a couch, is it, whereas I'm, I, I'm doing a WhatsApp video with them. But you f I felt that presence of God's Spirit bringing to that new life in Jesus. Afterwards, uh, I got them both to pray for the first time aloud with each other, as it were. And I said, welcome into the family of God as well as being Scott Cook family, this is the family of God. And they said, oh, do you think we'd better go to church tomorrow? I said, well, that would be great. So they found a church the next day. And it's been great since then, just to see. But it's that new life in Jesus. There are others who hear, I won't embarrass you now, but one or two others who I had that similar experience with over these recent weeks and seeing you just become a Christian. You've been through, just started on that John's Gospel, which has been great. Now, for all of us, every day of our lives, there are people around us. There's a... I think the pandemic has brought all sorts of challenges, great deal escalation in mental health issues and anxiety and strain, but what it's also brought is a great spiritual hunger for many people. I found every week this last month it's been wonderful to see people become Christians. People you wouldn't often expect, and yet somehow God is at work. But it's the presence of God in our lives that makes the difference. When I sat there on that Christmas morning, there was a sense of the Holy Spirit just witnessing in my spirit, sensing God's presence in that situation quickening. To pursue the presence of God is to pursue that fullness of the Holy Spirit in our life. Remember, I've said so many times, the fullness of the Holy Spirit is not just some self-indulgent thing, like you've just had your Christmas meal and say, I'm full, I can't eat any more. The whole purpose of the fullness of the Spirit is that you have more because it's then overflow. It's the overflow that's the most effective witness. And so it is with the second of these. To pursue his presence is to pursue fullness of joy. Psalm 16 says those amazing words. In his presence is fullness of joy. All my springs of joy are in you. It's not just that, you know, we're happy about things around us that God has given us. It's actually that the source of that joy is in him. All my springs of joy. Even when I feel I'm surrounded, all hell let loose around me, there's chaos and mayhem, etc., and all the situation, and yet welling up within me. 
all my springs of joy. It's a well. Jesus speaks of the Holy Spirit. It's like a well of water springing up within us, a source of joy. And that sense in which you may say, but Rob, you don't know my situation. You know, Philippians 4, verse 4 says this, rejoice in the Lord always. You say, but Rob, what about when you're going through pain and physical suffering? What about when you're going anxiety and panic attacks? What about when you're grieving for someone dearly you've lost and you've loved? You know, Rob, you, you, you can't just be joyful in the midst of all that. Yes, you can, but it's not the joy that's measured by laughter. It's an inner joy. And this is how Peter speaks about it when he was going through such testing times where there were many who were being martyred for their faith. He writes in his first letter in chapter one, though for a season now we're going through such testing trials, such testing times, yet he says, we rejoice with a joy that is unspeakable. It's not measured by how loud we laugh or talk. It's unspeakable, but it's full of glory. In whom, in him whom, though we cannot see him, yet we love him and we rejoice with a joy unspeakable and full of glory. It's that kind of inner joy. Even when you're going through testing times, these recent weeks I've prayed for some folk going through such terribly difficult times. Some on the edge, really, of nervous breakdown. Another person suicidal. Another person just with a financial issue that is enough to kill anybody off. And uh, another with a broken heart. And just this weekend, so on Friday, someone who's just this week had their diagnosis they've been waiting for. There's a diagnosis that they have got cancer. And now they have a pending operation. What in the midst of that? And yet, that person, this is on Friday, said to me, Rob, you know, the day I had that diagnosis, my daily reading, here's the value of reading scripture daily. It's not just about you choosing what verse you might read, but God speaking to you in a situation you're in, which you know. He said, I read, my daily reading was Psalm 139 and verse 16. It says this. I remember he was, he'd been overwhelmed. He'd been really fearful about the dying or what was going to happen. It was like as if, now how many days have I got left to live? He said this in Psalm 139, verse 16. All my days are ordained by you. They are written in your book before any one of them comes to pass. He said, as I read it, I suddenly felt that overwhelming sense of God's presence. There's an amazing sense that God is in control. He knows it. See, the presence of God can bring to our life whatever the circumstances you'll keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. That very scripture in Philippians 4, verse 4, where it says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, in case you didn't hear it, time, always rejoice. No, it's not rejoicing in our circumstances, but it's rejoicing in the Lord in the midst of those circumstances. But the next verse goes on to say, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Whatever it is that's worrying you, whatever it is you've got, let it be made. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart, but it's not just an emotional thing, and your mind. And it is a peace that often passes understanding. Many times I share with folk for prayer situations where they feel they just can't see a way through. And as you pray, it's not as if a person, ah, you've given me the answer, now I can understand how that's gonna all work out, so I feel a bit more at peace. No, I can't yet see the way through, but I feel a peace that passes understanding. It's not because I've just understood how I can see the way through. Now I can, but it's a peace of God that passes understanding. I must hasten to the third of these areas. Because this is so significant. It's the one we read at the beginning 
in Exodus 33. To pursue his presence is to pursue that fullness of his purposes for my life, his guidance, his direction. God longs to direct us. For Moses, it was a challenging situation. God had called him to lead these people, as we read in that passage. And Lord, just, just if you want me to lead, just show me your ways, Lord. Show me how to do it. And then that promise, my presence will go with you. Lord, if your presence don't go, doesn't go with me, don't, don't send me out from here. It's the presence of God. Now, that was for the people of God in Israel. I remember many years ago, I visited Israel. In fact, so many years ago, um, it'll be nearly 60 years ago. And I wasn't a pram at the time, but I, I, I had, had an amazing project. I was, uh, I, I won't tell you all the story of how I was awarded this thing. But anyway, I was to visit the Middle East to spend three months surveying the whole of Israel's development. It was a very fast growing economy with the, it's amazing how it, was, it discovered desalination plants of the ways they were turning the desert into fertile ground. They also had the early developments of IT. That's why Israel still today is one of the leader ones in it. And it was amazing visiting all the different places around Israel and these projects. But before I went, I was really keen that I'd been in touch with a dear old blind lady who lived in Bethlehem. Now, this is nearly 60 years ago. Bethlehem was then in the old Jerusalem. This is before the Six Day War when those boundaries changed. So you couldn't cross from Israel into Jordan. In fact, there was huge hostility, as I say. This is just before the Six-Day War, so there was real hostility between them. You couldn't even communicate between... If you were in Israel, you couldn't communicate to Jordan. So I haven't been able to communicate to this dear blind lady. She's called Auntie May. All the time I was there, but I was hoping that maybe there'd be some possibility of being able to cross it. You couldn't cross from Israel into Jordan because if you had Israel stamped on your passport, you wouldn't be able to get into Jordan. But somehow I really believe that God wanted me to go there. I get towards the end of this time, I'd made some interesting contacts. I'd spent much of the time at the Hebrew University there in Jerusalem. And uh, so I was now going to find a way of doing it. So first of all, I had to get back home. I had a research project of three months of all the development, industrial development in Israel. So I had to get that, first of all, back home before I certainly couldn't take it into Jordan with me. And then I had to try and find a way of... So I eventually negotiated with a long negotiation, but to get a second passport, a clear passport. I mean, strange when you think, I'm going to go into Israel, I'm going to go into Jordan from Israel, I'm not going to have Israel on my passport. But anyway, we managed to be able to do it, and I got the second passport, and so I went across. Now, I was the only one crossing from that way from the, through the Mandelbaum Gate, and it took hours. They checked every hair in my comb, you know. Literally, they, they went through everything, as it were. It was really hassly. But eventually, I got through, and when I got into into the other side of the border of the Mandelbaum Gate and was going to try and find my way down to Bethlehem. Even Auntie May wouldn't know I was coming or know anything about it. She just knew I'd sent months and months before that one day I'd love to be able to go. And um, I, I just felt I just got to need some space, some quiet. So I, I, the garden tomb in those days, it was then the other side of that board. It was, in, it was linked with the old Jerusalem. So I found the garden tomb. I can still remember now, as if it was yesterday, and this old green wooden gate, pushing this green gate open and going inside with my bags and things. And uh, I, I sat down on this stone bench. I sat down on this stone bench. No sooner I sat down on this stone bench, the same old green door creaked open. There was a doorman just inside by the garden gate there. And obviously the person pushing the door open spoke to him. And I could hear the person's voice, like an old voice saying, where is Brother Robert? And I, I kind of stood up now. I'm, I can still feel the hairs on the back of my head. And I said, well, um, I, I might be Brother Robert. And by now, the person pushing the gate open had got inside the gate and turned towards me. And it was an old lady. And she was blind. I had never, ever seen Auntie May. She'd never seen me because she was blind. But, 
as I look at this old woman, I say to her, are you Auntie May? She says, you must be Brother Robert. I said, Auntie May, how would you ever know I'd ever be able to come all the way here and I'd be able to be here today and how do you know I'd ever be able to get inside? Oh, she said, I can never forget it. She said to me, this morning, I felt the presence of the Lord. And as I spoke with him, he said to me, go to the garden tomb at noon today and Brother Robert will be there. Ooh. So about the hairs in the back of my head. I thought this is like New Testament days. You, know, where you, you can hardly imagine it is possible. But then I went to stay with Auntie May for several weeks down in Bethlehem. She was running this amazing home for blind and disabled people. Every day she'd spend time in prayer. I learned so much about prayer. It laid, it laid seeds in my life that were so key to prayer. And why I feel called to a prayer life today was that when you're in Auntie May's presence, it's like you're in God's presence. When she prayed, you'd look around as if the Lord must be here. The way she just prayed. Now, it may be because of a blindness that she'd cultivated, you know, where she didn't have the normal faculty to be able to see and sense, but somehow she had cultivated in her life a sense of God's presence with her, whatever she was, whatever she was doing. What does it mean for us today to pursue his presence? Not just to hope when we go to church we'll find it, but actively to pursue to draw near to God, to pursue the fullness of the Holy Spirit in our lives, that fullness of joy welling up within us, whatever's going on around us, whatever you've come with today as heartache or hurt or challenge, what does it mean to know the presence of God guiding us? What would it mean today to pray this same prayer that Moses prayed, that we read from 30, Exodus 33? I'm going to pray it in a moment. God, don't send us out from here unless your presence goes with us. What would it mean for us today, for all of us, to sense, perhaps some of us for the first time, just that reality of God's presence? Let's stand together and I'm going to pray. As we pray. I'm going to pray that prayer of Moses over us today, so let's just be open as we pray. and. Heavenly Father, thank you that you make your presence real to us, that you are a self-revealing God. You could have remained hidden and we'd have never found you. But thank you that, that word has become flesh in Jesus that you've made yourself known to us. Lord, we long to know that fullness of your presence. Even today here now, Lord, as we stand in your presence, Come, come Holy Spirit, come. For some of us, maybe it's a long time since we felt you really close. Things have happened that have disappointed us and hurt us. But Lord, we are thirsty for more of you. Come now, fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. Come, 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 Holy Spirit. Fill us, Lord, with that joy that all our springs of joy, even now, Lord, welling up within us where there's been a, a hardness of heart, a, a broken heart, a sense, Lord, that we'll never, ever be able to really know that full joy. But, Lord, today, release. Release, we pray. Where there's any bottleneck now, Lord, spring up a well. Spring up a well. 
Lord, we thank you that in your presence is fullness of joy. Not just produced by outer circumstances, but that welling up of your spirit. Lord, for each of us, still at the beginning of this new year, Lord, there may be difficult decisions we have to make. We're not sure of the direction we're going, Lord, and there may be challenges we face in our life, in our relationships, in our work, in our finances, in our own health, Lord. Lord, we just want to hear your promise again today. My presence will go with you. Lord, we are asking now, before we leave this place, Lord, Lord, unless your presence goes with us, Lord, don't send us out from here today. Come now. Come, Holy Spirit. Help us this year, Lord, to be pursuers of your presence. In Jesus' lovely and precious name, come, Lord, for your glory. Amen. Amen. Just remain standing on the handle.